0: For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Mary Reagan. Well, it turns out that this is a big crowd for costumes. Um, Big, big, big hit here today. We're filled out way more than we normally are. Um, So, if you came this morning just to see cute costumes, I heard an unsubstantiated rumor that next week, Austin would be preaching in an Olaf costume. So, um, if that's of interest to you, feel free to come back next week. I kid. I kid. Um, We do so glad to see all of you, uh, especially grandparents, aunts, uncles, um, friends, to to love on our kids. Um, We can't love on them enough, and so we're glad to have you here with us. If you've been with us over the last few weeks, we have been uh, getting ready, getting ready for, for the coming of Christmas, and the way we've been doing that is, is by reading through the story in the Gospel of Luke, the way that this Gospel writer sets up the story, sets up the expectations of the coming of Jesus. But there's one aspect of this story that I think gets overlooked a lot, at least if you um, are, are like me, grew up in like a, a Protestant church or background or, or even a background where you didn't go to church or, or haven't heard these stories, and it is this, Luke, as he writes this story, seems to, to find it really important to emphasize to us the blessing of Mary that Mary, this character, the, the mother of Jesus, is really, really blessed. And I think the reason I missed it is kind of like, you know, that's what, that's what uh, Catholics believe, and they're like on the other team, you know? It's like when in high school, when it's like, you know, your rival high school, uh, you know, they win the state championship, and you go, yeah, but the, the competition was a little low this year, Right. You kind of ignore the facts that, that are, are that you don't really like. Or you you know, the rival high school, they win some academic achievement. You go, Yeah, but look at their districting, right? Like they're 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 that that's not really valid. But the data is there, isn't it? Even what you just heard from Mary Reagan read is this exclamation. By the Holy Spirit, through, the, through Elizabeth, blessed are you among women. Meaning, blessed are you. Of all the women who have come before you, you are the most blessed. In the sermon next week that, that Austin will read from, Mary will sing, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Luke makes a really big deal about Mary. And some of us, uh, we find that a little bit uncomfortable. In fact, I remember when I was um, in Bible college, totally normal to be reading a book on Mary theology, right? Just like you did in college. And in that book, it posed this question, what are you going to do with Mary? What are you going to do with Luke's exuberance to, to, to point out just how blessed just how full of grace she is. That's what I want us to take a, a look at this morning is the two things I think are in this passage, the two blessings that Mary has in this passage, the things that mark her off, and see what should we do with them? What difference does it make for us? Two things, two blessings: one, the child obviously the child is is the blessing the gift that she receives and then secondly is her inclusion her part her role in the story that god is telling first though the child if you were with us last week you heard the start of this story but if not the story the story starts in a slightly unusual way as an understatement where an angel of god appears suddenly in in Mary's room. And suddenly, uh, he proclaims to her, Mary, you are about to have a son, which was a little confusing to Mary because she was a virgin. And so she says, well, uh, how's that going to work? And the Spirit says, the Spirit of the Most High will overshadow you. You don't need to worry about the details. You need to worry about being willing And she says, let it be as it may. And what we didn't read last week, but the the story just before that, was this story where her cousin Elizabeth, who is old, too old to have a child, her husband, Zechariah, had an angel appear to him and say, you are going to have a miraculous birth, a a child that is going to, to move the needle forward in God's story. It's... This amazing period of time in which God's Spirit seems to be dumping out blessings, but there's no blessing like Mary's son. And I want to pause there because I think it's it's easy for us to get confused about what the blessing is because there is a, a sense in which this story is it's so sensational, right? You have angelic uh, visitors coming to make an announcement you have this, like, really cute baby that clearly draws a crowd, right? But there's a difference between the blessing of, of sensationalism and the, the blessing of fulfillment. Let me put it this way. The blessing of sensationalism, right? Like, we love a good story. We love a dramatic story. That's why if you watch the news or if you watch a sporting event, right, you, you um, consume the media, there's always this conversation of, like, Um, just witnessing history. Like, we want to see something sensational, all right? We want to see LeBron win the first ever in-season tournament, right? We want it to be consumed by it. It's so ridiculous, in fact, that even if you watch something that's utterly ridiculous, like the other day I was watching um, a show like um, Wipeout. Have you all seen Wipeout? It's, if you've seen a commercial for it, you've seen the whole show. It's just a completely ridiculous obstacle course that's set up uh, for everyone to fail as they go through. And uh, the announcers on the show are just utterly ridiculous, right? Like, they're just, they're, like, overly enthusiastic. And they're like, whoa, whoa. whoa, whoa. I don't even know the words they're saying. That's just the sounds that are coming out of them. They're just over the top, and they'll say like every time I've ever seen this show, they're like, we have just witnessed history, Johnny just completed the course, wearing, a, holding a hot dog in his hand, I don't know, like it's just, it's a gimmick, or right? it's a gimmick that we gleefully uh, uh, attend to because we love a sensational story, we love the good feelings, the, the excitement that it brings, but ultimately sensational stories don't offer us much. All right, I want you to contrast that story with, with a, a blessing of fulfillment, right? Um, I noticed the other day on, on uh, a, a, my ticketing app, right, where I go to buy my Grizzlies tickets. And I noticed that on uh, December 21st, the, the prices are like four times the amount that they, that they are in all of the games leading up to them. Some of you know why, the, the reason those tickets are so expensive is because that is the, the much-anticipated, the long-awaited return of Ja Morant. Now, why does everyone want to be in the room that day? Is it just because it'll be a sensational story, which it will be? They'll play it up big on all the jumbotrons, and ESPN will be all over it, right? Is that why? Because we want a sensationalism? What about if Jaw comes out and he's terrible? And the Grizzlies lose. Is that still a good story? Not much. The reason that the people want to fill that crowd is because we have been a people waiting in darkness this season, right? Because we are, are a people who believe that Jah can bring fulfillment. That he can put points on the board. That he can let our team win. That he is going to do what he says he's going to do. Those are two very different kinds of hopes. I'm just here for the show, and I'm here to see reality changed. The blessing of Mary's son is more like the latter. It's more like the latter, and it is big news. It is big blessing because the people of earth have waited in darkness for a really long time. The people of earth have waited since, if you believe the Bible story, since the very dawn of time, really. When Adam and Eve were were cast from the garden and they left to experience the world in all of its brokenness, in all of its shame, and in all of their sin, but there's this vague hope, this vague hope in Genesis 3 that God would one day show up, that one day God would come through some promised child to set, the, to set the prisoners free, to set the record straight, to fix what is broken. And the people waited for generations and generations and generations. And eventually God shows up and, and he makes an announcement to a guy named Abraham. And it sounds a lot like the announcement that was uh, John the Baptist's mother heard. He comes and he says, look, you, you and your wife, you're too old to have kids. You've never been able to conceive and have ch- have a child but the spirit of god will allow you to have a child the child of promise and so isaac was born and isaac was a sweet reminder that god had not given up on his people that god had not forgotten them but isaac was not the fulfillment of the promise many years later the people of israel are a mess and God, once again, shows up, this time to a, a man named Manoah. And he says, look, you and your wife, you're too old to have kids. You've never been able to have kids before. But I am going to give you a son, a son who is, is going to set the record straight. And it reminded the people that they were not alone, that God had not forgotten them. But Samson could not bring redemption. And years later, again, God would come to a, a woman named Hannah. And he would say, you are too old to have a child. You've never been able to have a child, but I will allow you to give birth to a son, a son named Samuel who will set up the kingdom for God's people. And it reminded them that God loved them. It reminded them that they were not alone, but Samuel was not the answer to what they longed for. And finally here in, in, in Luke 1 God comes to Zechariah and He says, "You and your wife Elizabeth, you're too old to have a son. You're too old to bear children. You're too uh, that it is not possible. You've never been able to before." And John once again reminds the people that God has not forgotten them, but John is not the fulfillment. The fulfillment we're told comes in Mary's son. We see it. Look in verse 43. Uh, Elizabeth. Elizabeth, who has just conceived a miraculous child, who is pregnant and bearing her child, right? A child that she has great hopes for, a great longing for. When she sees Mary, she exclaims, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord... The mother of my Savior, the, the, the mother of the one who is the Messiah, the long-appointed one, the one who is going to fulfill, who is going to change the game, the one who is going to set the record straight and to fix what is broken. And we see just how special a blessing Mary receives. Because the son she receives is the child that all of creation has waited for from The very beginning, it's the son that all the great prophets had longed to see and waited for. That's why Elizabeth calls her blessed among women. The most blessed woman who has ever seen is because in Mary, she would be the first to see what generations and generations and generations had longed for. And that that son would not just be a falsehood, but that he would be the blessing that he was promised to be. Luke makes a really big deal about how blessed Mary is. Not because so you can look at Mary and be envious. Not so that you can look at Mary and think how impressive she is. You, he makes a big deal of Mary because he wants you to see just how wonderful her child is. Just how important her child is. How much her blessing is in fact your blessing too. Because you notice the story doesn't go, Mary, you are going to conceive this great child, and look how special you are. The story goes, you are going to to conceive a, a, a great child. And everyone around her, the room of three here, exults in excitement, right? You can hear it in Elizabeth's tone of voice. John, little John the Baptist in the womb of his mother does the only thing he can possibly do within the womb. He starts kicking out of excitement. He leaps for joy, the text says. Why? Because Mary's getting a blessing? No. Because Mary's blessing is their blessing. That the great son of Mary is the great savior of them as well. And so, when we look at Mary, what Luke wants us to see, what he offers to us when he hypes up the blessing of Mary, is, is that, that Mary's blessing is for us too. That this isn't just a, a, a sentimental well wishing where people feel good but nothing changes, but that there is fulfillment through the son of Mary. But it's not just a son. That is a blessing to Mary, right? It's that she is included in it. Some of you may have noticed she has a slightly uh, important job to do in this whole process, right? Um, all the mothers, you know, can say amen, right? She has a job to do that she is, is not just to bear a son, but that she is included in this process. A look at what Elizabeth says where she says... Um, that blessed is the fruit of, of your womb, right? That this child is, is not just a, a miraculous alien that appears, but that this promised one would carry Mary's DNA. That the body that would would one day um, be sacrificed for the salvation of people would grow within her. That she is the mother of my Lord, says Elizabeth. It's easy to get uh, a little starstruck. It's easy to to get caught up in the exceptionalism of Mary's job that God has given her to do. Because in Mary, you can begin to see something you wish is true for you. You see a woman who's born in obscurity, you see a woman who more than likely has known or who has felt that life was futile, that she lacked significance, that she lacked meaning. But she lacked resources. And the way you could, you could tell the story is, is that, that we see in this story that when a, a girl that more than likely felt that no one could see her, a woman who is easily overlooked, we find that God was looking for her, that God was looking to wrap her in, to use her gifts, to use her body, to bring about his redemption. It's an exceptional story, and she's so special. And it's easy to see how we could look at that blessing that God gives to Mary and, and get caught up in it, right? And, and uh, many of the ideas that we have about Mary come because we get caught up in the idea of exceptionalism, that God has given Mary something extra special. And so many of us, when we think about Mary, we think of someone who's this you know extra special extra holy extra obedient kind of woman right or there's people who will, who will promise you that Mary has extra access to God that Mary can ask extra favors from God and we get a picture of Mary as exceptional and we look at her and we well we don't really know what to do with her it's a lot like uh person I read an article about this week you know, you know some of you all in the last week or two have gotten wrapped up in the the Spotify wrapped you know the data the data from uh, the music streaming that that tells you who you listen to who's the most um, your most popular artists, etc but it also tells you uh, who are the most devoted fans to particular artists right so I read this this week about. Um, Abigail Rose King, who uh, is the most devoted Taylor Swift fan, or one of the most devoted Taylor Swift fans. She ranks in the top 1,000th of a percent of Taylor Swift fans. And to accomplish this feat, she listened to 351,281 minutes of Taylor Swift music in the last year. Some of you are good at mental math and you've already started figuring out, wait, that's like 5,000 hours. Or that's like 243 days. That's like 60% of the minutes that exist in the year she spent listening, blaring Taylor Swift music. And you look at her and you're both like slightly impressed and and deeply concerned, right? Like there is something unnatural about that level of, of adoration, but many of us have, have look at Mary in that way, or it is very common that we look at Mary in that way. And, and we look at her with, with, with such devotion. We, we, we emphasize her goodness so much that we begin to, to think that, that that is the kind of disciple that Jesus desires. Things that, quite honestly, the Bible doesn't even say about Mary, but we picture her in our mind as being this uber-obedient, this um, uber-extra-strong-faith kind of gal. If you get stuck on what is exceptional about Mary, you get stuck with this distorted image that's not even, it doesn't even seem human. It doesn't even seem right. It's almost like Luke knew we would go to that. It's almost like Luke knew that we would be drawn to, to a blessing of exceptionalism because as he goes through his story, he, in two different times, he makes a point to, to point out that Mary's blessing is not because of her exceptionalism. It's not because of her exceptional role even or her exceptional job even. The second of those is, he comes in, in chapter 11, and Jesus has grown, and he's out ministering to the crowds and a woman who's thoroughly impressed with Jesus yells out, and she said, blessed is the womb that bore you and, and the breast at which you nursed, right? Blessed are you, Mary, the, because Mary has this exceptional role. And do you know what Jesus' response was? He was not, she is blessed. She is the, 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 the queen of heaven, the mother of the church, right? Like he, he, he says, no. He says, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. He says that the exceptional role that Mary played is not what's important. What's important is that Mary was included in the story at all, which really helps us understand what verse 45 is telling us. You can look and see it there in your bulletin. Blessed is she, blessed is Mary who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Mary's blessing, Mary's blessing can't be that she has an exceptional role. And it can't be that she has an exceptional personality. Instead, it's, it's quite the opposite. Mary's blessing comes because she, like all disciples, believes that what God says he's going to do, who believes that the story that God is telling is what is right. The role of her blessing is not to to make us think much of her, but to, to illuminate, to point out for us to see how rich our blessing is. Luke makes a big deal about Mary's blessing because he wants us to see just how blessed we are at the Christmas party. If you weren't there, you should have been there. Come next year. Um, but there was, you know, had this amazing caterer, and, there, and so there was all this amazing food floating around the room, right? And so many, um, like, especially at the beginning of, of the party, I had, like, five different people come up and ask me, where like, where is this amazing? I'm seeing this amazing food floating around. Where is That coming from where? Where? What is what is happening? Right. You have received a blessing. You have received these people have received a blessing. They have received a gift, right? And and do you know how that? What they weren't asking? They were not asking. Well, how special must those people be that they got this VIP uh, food treatment? Right? They were not saying, how wonderful is, are these people because they have received a great gift. They're saying, where is this food available to me? When Luke pours out, and he, he, he pours out just how blessed Mary is, what he's pointing out is just how good God's blessings are. How good God's blessings are for those who are willing to see them, for those who are willing not to run away, for those who look to Mary's son for their salvation. The point of Mary's blessing is not to make much of Mary and her exceptional role. It's to to make an invitation. This food is available for you as well, which is really important. It's really important for those of you who may be here this morning and have no faith, who who have maybe never heard or never been compelled by the story of Jesus by Mary's son that there is goodness that is for you in the Christmas story. Or maybe you've heard and and you've always thought that the Christian story is, is that it, the good food is for the exceptional ones, the ones who have, who have earned it, the ones who have an exceptional resume. But if Jesus says that his own mother wasn't, uh, her exceptional resume wasn't good enough, then yours isn't either. The good news, though, is, is that it is an invitation. When we see how blessed Mary is, it gives us hope that maybe that blessing's for you as well. It's good news for those of us here this morning who have small faith, who have weak faith. Those of us who have lumbered through life feeling torn back and forth, back and forth on believing whether what God says is true is really true. If God can really keep the promises he makes. Because what we see in this story is, is that uh, just how small, just how insignificant the kind of faith response is. And Mary, for her part, in, in the last passage, opens her hands and says, "'Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word.'" But I think the really interesting part of this story is, is, again, that Mary's blessing is not for Mary alone, but is shared by Elizabeth and even by a baby that is, is in the womb, John. Think about how small of a response that John gives. He does exactly what he is able to do in that moment. He is, responds to the Spirit of God by kicking his feet in excitement. And many of us have, have, have gone through life feeling like we are not good enough for God's blessing, that we are not good enough to be counted uh, uh, among the exceptional. But here we see John as an infant who can't even hear the words that are spoken about him, who can't understand, possibly understand all of the theological implications, responding to the Spirit of God with excitement. And it's shown to us as proof that this blessing that Mary received is for us too. This is meant to give us assurance. It's meant to give us encouragement. It's meant to give us hope. I guess when Luke makes a big deal about Mary, when Luke makes a big deal of the blessings she receives, It's because he wants you to see that God is making a big deal about you. That the way that God lavishly pours out gifts and blessings upon Mary is the way he lavishly wants to pour out gifts and blessing upon you. If you will hear. If you will see. If you will believe. And that's our invitation this morning. So what are we going to do with Mary? Well, I hope, I hope that we join her at the feet of her son, worshiping him who gives these good gifts. Pray with me. Father, we come to you today, God, and, and, and so often we can be confused at what you are doing in the world. God, so often the doubts and the fears and the insignificance The seeming insignificance of our lives weigh down on us. And so, Father, we pray that as we watch you lavishly bless Mary, God, that you would kindle in us a hope, a hope that you desire to lavishly bless us through your Son, Jesus Christ, as well. God, that you will keep your promises and that you will draw us to yourself.